If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John and chapter 6. John chapter 6. While you turn there, I want you to try to picture this, okay? I'm going to try to paint a little word picture here, and I want you to try to picture this. Uh, Let's say it's 6 p.m. And let's say you haven't eaten all day. Who would do that? But you haven't eaten all day, and by now you're starving. Well, fortunately for you, you have a pantry full of food. You have a refrigerator that's well-stocked. You have a freezer that's full of food. You have a lot to choose from. You have good, uh, healthy choices to choose from. But instead of eating any of those things, you turn to something else. You decide that you want to save some money. And you're a woodworker, so you've got a five-gallon bucket out in the garage that you've been collecting sawdust in. And you decide that you're going to start a thing called a sawdust diet. Sounds great, doesn't it? (laughs) You read on the internet that they put sawdust in hot dogs. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's on the internet, so it's got to be true, right? So instead of eating real food, you decide from now on it's going to be sawdust for you. The sawdust diet. It's not too hard to eat, really, as long as you... Take it with lots of water. Well, it doesn't take too long, and you, and you start to look unusual to your friends, and they, and they ask how you're doing. And you say, hey, I'm doing great. I'm on this thing called a sawdust diet. And they say, their mouths hit the floor, right? What in the world are you doing? You can't eat sawdust. Say, oh, yeah, I can. I'm, I'm doing just fine. But you're not doing just fine. And they can see it. They're so concerned that they, they go out and shop for you. And they bring you food. And they say, please eat real food. Eat this good food. You need to eat real food. You're you're not going to survive on this sawdust diet eating routine. By the way, don't try this at home. All right? We're just making stuff up. (laughs) Don't don't try that. You you don't even need me to tell you that, do you? (laughs) In fact, I'm not trying this at home. We've got food in the crock pot that we're going to eat when we get home that we could smell before we left the house this morning. So we're ready. And it's not sawdust. <laughs> Why would you not eat the wholesome food that's, that, that's in your refrigerator, that's in your pantry, that your friends would bring you? Why would you not eat that wholesome food that would save your life? It's foolishness, isn't it? If you did something like that, you say that's a silly story, and I agree, that is a silly story. Who would do such a thing? Let me tell you, that silly story illustrates well the way many people treat their own spiritual lives. You ever think about that? We see the same kind of attitude in the passage before us this morning, in the verses that we're going to look at. It's seen in, also in the way we've been seeing here in chapter 6 of John's Gospel for several weeks now. We've been seeing the people in John 6 as they They came looking for Jesus, and yet they question what he's teaching them. And they challenge what he's teaching them, and they complain about what he's teaching him. We've been seeing these people in John 6 as they question Jesus. It's still going on. The same thing is still going on in the hearts of unbelievers today. And even in some people who say, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Word, will still say, I know what the Word says, but they'll question the Bible. And question what God's Word says. And that could be true of us today if we're not careful. We could come, and I'm not talking about having an honest question about what does the Bible mean when it says, 
I'm talking about having a question about why does the Bible say that? I don't want to do that. Or you know, Hopefully we wouldn't be as bold to say that, but we live that way sometimes. Or at least we're tempted to live that way. Where we disagree with what God's Word says. Remember that in our previous studies, we've heard Jesus declare to these people that He is the bread of life. And we're going to see it again here in the text before us. So follow along now as I read from John 6. And I'm going to begin at verse 51. And I'm reading again from the English Standard Version. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. John 6, beginning at verse 51. Where Jesus is speaking and He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And verse 52 says, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, And I live because of the Father. So, whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So here's Jesus teaching He's giving these people the truths that they desperately need to hear. You know, the world needs to hear the gospel truth, the truth of the gospel that we say we believe. If you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you believe in the the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ who came and gave himself for sinners. Jesus is giving them the gospel. He's feeding them the truth of the word that they desperately need to hear and that they would have life in if they would believe it. And yet, you can sense the disbelief. You can hear it. The Jews disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Earlier, last time we heard him saying, how can you say you've come down from heaven? Who, how can you call God your Father? As I was reading these verses, does the language which Jesus uses kind of offend your senses a little bit? Eating his flesh, drinking his blood, it kind of shocks us, doesn't it? It did those people that day too. How can we even think of eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood? And I, and I want you to understand this about this passage. We need to note that this is a figure of speech. If you didn't get this already, this is a figure of speech. He's, he's not being literal here. That needs to be said. This is not about Jesus' actual body and actual blood. And note that this is not about the Lord's Supper. Some might point this and go, oh, he's talking about the Lord's Supper. This is not what he's, he's not talking about the Lord's Supper. This is not about partaking of the elements, the bread and the cup during communion. 
And we can know that this is not about the Lord's Supper because there's nothing in Scripture that, like what we hear here, that supports the idea of partaking of the Lord's Supper as being a requirement for salvation. So this is not about the Lord's Supper because what Jesus is saying, you need you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood, is, a, is what he's saying is, is a requirement for salvation, and that's not communion. The Bible doesn't teach that one must partake of communion to be saved, but it does establish the pattern for those who are saved, for those who are believers, for those who profess faith in Christ, those people are to take communion. They're to observe the Lord's Supper, remembering the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on their behalf. So what is required for salvation is what we've heard Jesus point to here in John 6. One must, we heard it earlier uh, in earlier studies, one must come to Christ. They must come to Jesus in faith. Coming to Jesus is it's repenting of your sin. It's having that sorrowful, repentant attitude about your sinfulness and being willing to turn from your sin and to faith in Jesus Christ. It's repenting of your sin, putting your faith in Jesus. Repentance and faith are necessary for salvation. Partaking of the Lord's Supper is not necessary for salvation. That comes after you have believed in Jesus Christ. So this is why we can know that what Jesus tells us here is not about literally eating the body of Christ and literally drinking his blood. And it's not about partaking of communion, which actually points to faith in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 51. Verse 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's pointing forward to the cross. He's pointing forward to his crucifixion. And twice already, Jesus has said that he is the bread of life. Once he said that he is the bread that comes down from heaven. Remember, they grumbled about that. How can you say you come down from heaven? You're making yourself equal with God. Well, he is. Now, Jesus again calls himself the bread. But this time he says he's the living bread. So he's the bread that comes down from heaven, and he's the living bread. And he is leading up to an idea that those who hear him are not ready to understand. Those people listening to him that day, they were not ready to understand this. But he's teaching them, he's giving them the truth that they need. They need to hear this, they need to believe it. And he's leading up to this idea that those who were there that day were not ready to understand. Look at the end of verse 51 again where Jesus says, And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What is Jesus talking about? How can he be the living bread and be the bread, the fact that he could be the bread that he gives for the life of the world? It's confusing, isn't it? It's confusing for those people. Yeah, we're helped because we have our Bibles, and we can read the Scriptures. And, and um, if you're not new to the faith, this is, this is uh, something that's fairly normal, that you're used to this, and you understand this more fully. But for those people, it was baffling. 
And what Jesus is pointing to here is the fact that he would become a sacrifice as he was crucified on the cross. Again, he was pointing forward to the day of his crucifixion. It's what we hear Jesus say in Matthew 20, in verse 28, when he said, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came willingly at at the Father's instruction. God the Son obeyed God the Father, and he came to be the sacrifice for sinners. Back in John 1, Way back in John chapter 1, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? John chapter 1, verses 29 and 36, John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And it's clear that Jesus here in verse 51 is talking about his own body when he says, the bread that I will give is my flesh. That Lamb of God language is is something that would have been... uh, understandable to the people in their culture where there was animal sacrifice. But applying that to a person, they, they had a hard time grasping that. The bread that I will give is my flesh, says Jesus. That's a hard saying. You know, there's some things that are hard to understand and hard to grapple with when you first see them in the Scriptures. This is a hard saying. And it certainly was for the Jews that day, as we see in verse 52, because they started arguing with each other over Jesus' meaning. It says, look at verse 52 again, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, why are these people having a hard time understanding Jesus? We noted it last time when we looked at the preceding verses. This is... Not the first time they've asked a question that shows their, their unbelief. You see, they're having a hard time understanding because of their unbelief. Earlier they had complained. Earlier they had questioned how Jesus could say he comes down from heaven when they know his father and mother. This is Joseph's son. Uh, oh. We know, we know who, he, who his father is. We know where he comes from. Now their lack of faith in Jesus is shown and it's revealed by their misunderstanding of his statement about his flesh. Why why can't they understand? Well, we see the answer here. Look again. I want to read verses 44 through 46 again. Listen to these closely. Look at verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. We need to remember here that the Bible teaches that salvation is a sovereign work of God. No one comes to Jesus in faith unless the Father who sent Jesus first draws him to himself. This is so hard for us to grasp in, in, our, um, in our human minds, in our human way of thinking, because 
from our perspective, we think we come to Jesus. But in truth, God draws us to faith in Him. Praise God for that. We're tempted to think that we can have faith in God and and we do that in and of ourselves. Well, I have faith. I came to faith in Christ. Good for you. (laughs) But God did it. God was drawing you to himself. Praise God for that. We're tempted to think that we can do this in our own strength. You know, we're independent people. We like to think that we mustered up the faith to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ when in truth it is God who gives us faith to believe in His Son. Remember what Jesus says back in verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. From our perspective, we think we've chosen Jesus when in fact God has chosen us. And God has given us to the Son as a love gift. And those whom the Father has given the Son will come to Christ in repentant faith. And not one will be lost. And they will come willingly. So willingly that many of us at first think we're the ones who came to Christ. When again, in fact, it's God who drew us to Christ. I say all that because of this. We need to understand this. There's, there is absolutely nothing lacking in Jesus when we see these unbelieving Jews questioning what he's saying. It's not like he's failing to make it clear to them or failing to give them the truth. There's nothing lacking In Jesus, when we see these unbelieving Jews and their unbelief, and and there's nothing lacking in his message. Jesus says in verses 47 and 48 that truly, truly, again, again, you see those words, truly, truly, it's pay attention, listen closely, this is important. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. If you're having a hard time, he says to them, with this language of eating and drinking my flesh and my blood, believe. Believe. And then he says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. What's missing? Why are they questioning? What's missing is their faith. And their faith is missing because their spiritual hearts are still hard. And their spiritual sight is still darkened. They're still blind. Look again at verse 53 and following. Verse 53 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless... You eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood. You have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Remember this 
When you see here Jesus saying, eat his flesh and drink his blood, that he's not speaking literally, and he's not speaking of partaking of the elements of the Lord's Supper, and as some religions misunderstand and misapply, he's not talking about the elements of the Lord's Supper actually being his body and blood. They're not. They're representative of, they remind us of, but they're not. We're not eating the, the body and, and drinking the blood of Jesus at communion. When you see this, this statement, think faith in Christ. When you see that statement from Jesus that you need to eat his body and drink his blood, you need to think faith in, what, what I need is faith in Jesus. And what unbelievers need to come to is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ where they, where they recognize their sinfulness, turn, turn from their sin and to Christ in faith. You need to think faith in, in Christ because he is, as we've been hearing here, he is the living bread He is the bread of life. He's the bread that's come down from heaven. And when we go all the way back to chapter 1, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He willingly lays his life down. Uh, Minister and Bible commentator J.C. Ryle wrote of this passage that few passages of Scripture have been so painfully twisted and perverted The eating and drinking of which Christ speaks do not mean any literal eating and drinking. Above all, the words were not spoken with any reference to the Lord's Supper. We may eat the Lord's Supper and yet not eat and drink Christ's body and blood. We may eat and drink Christ's body and blood and yet not eat the Lord's Supper. So he's trying to make that distinction. They don't have anything to do with each other. What Jesus is saying is believe, have faith in me. And so as J.C. Ryle emphasizes, this passage cannot be about partaking of the elements of the Lord's Supper as we do when we take communion and we remember Christ's death for sinners. Uh, We do that here first Sunday of each month. It's not about that. This passage is not about that. So let's go through these verses. I want to just walk through these verses and understand them in light of this idea, which is what Jesus is teaching, this idea of faith in Jesus. What Jesus is teaching to them is that they need to believe in him. They need to have faith in him. So let's look at these verses in light of this, and let me just walk through them. In verse 53, when you hear Jesus say, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, the point here is that unless you believe in the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and have faith that his blood, his shed blood, is sufficient to pay for your sins. You have no life in you. You do not have eternal life. You have not been saved from your sins because you are, uh, you are lacking faith. You have not trusted in Christ. And in verse 54, look at verse 54 again when he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. You need to understand that whoever believes that the sacrifice of Jesus' flesh is sufficient to save you, and whoever has faith that his blood was shed so that you can have eternal life, and that Jesus will raise you up on the last day, whoever believes that is is saved and does have new life. And in verse 55, when Jesus says, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink, he's he's saying here that the sacrifice of my flesh, when he speaks to these people, and when we hear it here in the Scriptures, Jesus is saying, 
the sacrifice of my flesh and the shedding of my blood are truly and fully sufficient to atone for your sin. And then in verse 56, when Jesus says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him, you need to understand that Jesus says that whoever believes in the sufficiency of the sacrifice of his body and and has faith that Jesus' blood was shed for him abides in Christ and Christ abides in him. You know, we know that from the Scriptures that when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? You, you gain the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is pointing to this, this thing that would, that would happen for these people in the future. For us, it's, it's immediate. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's immediate. And what Jesus is pointing to is all a spiritual act. It's, a, it's an act of spiritual obedience This is coming to Jesus. Remember that language, coming to Jesus, that we've talked about already. That's what this is. This is coming to Jesus in faith, which is repenting of sin and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. And that is true because it's just as Jesus says in verse 55 when he says, For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. In other words, the sacrifice of Jesus' body and the shedding of His blood is completely sufficient to atone for your sins and mine. And Jesus makes clear to us why this is true. Verse 57 again, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me, He says. Not for anything that you bring, not for any good works, not for any act of obedience does He save you. No, you, you need to put your faith in the one true Son of God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life, forgiveness of sins, is for anyone who truly feeds on Jesus. That is, anyone who truly turns from their sin and repentance and believes in Jesus Christ for salvation. For forgiveness of sins. Does it overwhelm you at times when you look around and realize that so many people do not believe? So many people spend their whole lives completely neglecting the food that endures to eternal life, which is Jesus Christ, the living bread. Instead, they'd rather eat sawdust. They'd rather pursue the food that perishes. And in verse 58, Jesus reminds us that this is, Jesus is, the bread that comes down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Remember, rebellious Israelites who wandered and yet were fed by God miraculously. They said, manna, what is it? It's food from heaven. 
It was a, it was a foretelling. It was a future glimpse of the bread that would come down from heaven who is Jesus Christ. And these people, it's like they're like their forefathers and they're standing there saying, Mana, what is it? Looking at Jesus, not believing. Spend your life eating sawdust and you'll have no life. You'll have a short life. But pursue the food that perishes. You might say, well, I'm not eating sawdust. Well, God's Word says, pursue the food that perishes. Pursue the things of this life that you think you're only going to find fulfillment in if you have or gain or achieve. Pursue the things of this life seeking fulfillment in them, failing to put your faith in Jesus. And He says of you, verse 53, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. As one commentator says of those who refuse to believe in Jesus, they are dying of hunger through their own folly while the food is close beside them. That's like the the guy who eats sawdust from his garage and neglects the food from the fridge. You realize that could be us if we're not careful? This is, this is the food that God has given us to feed on as believers in Jesus Christ. If you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, are you feeding on His Word? Are you feeding your soul with the truths of His Word? Are you giving yourself time each day in God's Word and time to talk to God in prayer about your needs and especially about your spiritual needs? It's easy to talk about to God about our physical needs, but do you talk to Him about your spiritual needs? If you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you have true food. And then he goes on to keep feeding you with his word, by the work of his spirit in you, with the privilege of prayer, with the privilege of God's being with God's people, the church. Don't be like those people who have the, the food close beside them, but choose the food that perishes. There is good news. There is hope. Verse 58 says, Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. (laughs) That's good news. Are you feeding on that bread? Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone? If you with your whole soul will feed on the body and drink of the blood of Jesus Christ, that is, fully trusting in Him, believing in Him, fully trusting in His finished sacrifice for your sins, you will partake of the living bread. And all who partake of the living bread, who and that living bread is Jesus, then you are assured of eternal, of eternal life. You are kept by Jesus Christ and you will be raised up on that last day. So as we come before God's Word together this morning, may it challenge us. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, turn to Christ in faith. 
Believe in Him. Give your life to Him. Repent of your sins and believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross for your sins. His shed blood for your sins. And may God's Word challenge you with conviction today that it's possible for you, even if you are a believer, even if you say, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, I love God's Word, I love His church, I want to be taught by His Word, even if you say those things, even, it can even be true for you that you're, that you're still neglecting those things you say you believe. That you're dying of hunger spiritually through your own folly, feasting instead on the sawdust of this world. Rather than feasting on Jesus, rather than keeping your heart grounded in the truth, rather than keeping your trust in Him, seeking to grow and strengthen your faith, asking God to help you strengthen your faith with His Word and by the work of His Spirit, and continuing to look to Jesus Christ alone daily for the spiritual strength you need to face every day. Do not be tempted by the world, the flesh, and the devil to pursue the sawdust diet. Pursue the bread of life. Believe in Jesus and live. Live for His glory. Believer, live every day for God's glory.